This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Welcome to Overdue. It's a <laughs> podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. And my name is Craig. M- my name's Ange and Mew. I didn't know we were going to be little kitties <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some yarn. <laughs> I'm just going to clean myself over here. Don't Give me some yarn me. and a laser pointer. Uh, where, oh, where did it go? Where's all that? I don't know. I'm a cat. Let me fight this bug. Oh no, what's hitting me? It's my tail. Uh, this is a book podcast. This week it's also a cat podcast. That's the thing cat lovers won't tell you is that cats are stupid. <laughs> yeah. As we were <laughs> cats are great. Rip in peace, my yeah. last cat that I'm yeah. You've got little you've got little kittens behind your house right now. Yes. As we record this episode, it's a few weeks in advance, but as we record it, there are some little kittens uh that came into being while I was on vacation. Probably before the other day, they came into being significantly yeah. before you were on vacation, but they're just like up and running around now. And I did I was at your house and I did watch one take like two hours to cross your back patio because it's so skittish and scared of everybody they are less skittish even a few days later and we i'm in contact with people about getting them fixed and whatever and Mm -hmm. but mostly they just run around out there like cats do kitties um and so this week we're talking about a cat book which is why we've been talking about cats and making cat noises um andrew what <laughs> book did you read for, for this book podcast where one of us reads a book and tells the other person about it tell me what book mm-hmm. you read it's yeah much like this podcast which pulls you in with a bunch of cat talk and then actually is about books <laughs> the book that i read this week is the cat who saved books ah by sasuke natsukawa okay this is a cat who knows about books it's a cat who knows about. Look, look, listen, listen, listen. It is a talking cat. I'm not gonna like we. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. There is a talking cat in this book. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying that the title of the book is the cat who saved books, but the cat is only in it kind of a little bit, and it's really like the boy companion of the cat who saves the books. Mm, sure. So, I mean, we can argue about who should get the credit and who who doesn't but <laughs> the cat really is more of a more of a a person who ferries the boy from encounter to encounter oh like donkey and shrek yes like donkey and shrek uh-huh. or any number of a disney movie animal companion perhaps sure <laughs> except the ones who talk <laughs> Like Donkey and Shrek. Yeah. <laughs> I think we need to stick with <laughs> Sorry, Donkey I, I and Shrek. Sorry, I shouldn't have dug deeper. Um, so where did this book... That, let, let's let's, cut, let's put a pin in that Donkey and Shrek oh. thing, because we can we can come back to that I w- protagonist Andrew? versus talking animal comparison when we talk about the uh, when we talk about the relationship between the cat and the can boy. Can I give you this gift, Andrew? 
What? We can come back to talking about Donkey and Shrek whenever you want. It doesn't just That's have true. to be this episode. We are an independent podcast with no outside editorial input. Yes. You can cash that chip whenever, my friend. Good for mm, okay. many uses. All right. I just like, yeah, I don't want to overexpose. It's, it's the same reason I don't want to read the Shrek book for the podcast. It just feels like a little bit of Shrek goes a long way. Every time I suggest it, I get pushed back. Anyway. A little, just a little bit of Shrek goes such a long way. <laughs> That's what they taught me in kindergarten. <laughs> did, you get te- did you get taught that about glue in kindergarten? A little bit of glue goes a long way. Yeah, yeah I, I was taught that after a particularly glue-heavy arts and crafts project. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. A do- I, <laughs> Go ahead. I, I remember specifically that I got it back and it just said a dot of glue on it with <laughs> dot underlined. Okay. God, I just remembered that. Wow. Okay. Um, cool. So where did you find this book? It's a relatively recent book. Yeah. Every once in a while, I just because we, as we work through like Patreon recommendations and we work through like canonical books yeah. or, or big name books or whatever, like sometimes we just end up drawing a bunch of long ones all at once. Yeah. Which for purposes of show planning, especially with paternity leave it's upcoming, difficult. isn't always the most convenient thing. So yeah, every once in a while, I'm just going to like Google um, lists of like good short novels yeah. for a given, like usually I do it by year. Sometimes um, if we're trying to, you know, schedule black history month or, or we have, we feel like we haven't read a book by like a Latino author in a while, like I'll narrow it down that way. But anyway, I found this on a pan Macmillan list uh, from 2021, the best short books under 250 pages. Okay. And this was on there. Okay, cool. Yeah, and just and some and I just read all the summaries, and if, if they grab me, I stick them in the slack, and <laughs> then there we go. It's not any more scientific. And than was that. it was it published in twenty twenty one? I believe it was or yeah the, translated the and, and released in twenty twenty one. I'm not sure when the original okay. Japanese book came out, but and the translator, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, is Louise Heel Kawai. Yes, okay. that is right. Great. Um, so here's what I know about Natsukawa and I don't know much. I believe this is maybe his second book. Um, he's a doctor in Nagano, Japan. This is from the HarperCollins website. I have a note about that in a second. Uh, Sasuke Natsukawa is a doctor in, uh, Nagano, Japan. His first book, uh, Kamisama no Karute, God's Medical Records, uh, <laughs> won the Shogakukan Fiction Prize and received second place in the Japan Bookseller Awards. Uh, that went on to become uh, a TV series in 2021 as well. Oh, really? I don't know. My, my thing in the back of the book says adapted into a hit film, but maybe... Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it sold over 1.5 million copies and was adapted into a hit film in Japan. Interesting. It was adapted one way or the okay. other for the screen, I believe big or small. I believe he was born in, in the Osaka Prefecture as well. But there's not much about... Him, he, this is probably like I would venture to say his first like uh, crossover success outside of Japan. Um, just because, like, when uh, by the time you're listening to this, the schedule will be made public. Uh, like, so I was getting people to guess what some of our books might be for August, and a bunch of people actually guessed this book based on the emojis that I'd used. And so, this is a book that people are like reading out aware there, of. aware of, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, and 
Yeah, I don't know. I read, a, I like skimmed through an interview with him that was a that was a Google Translate, so it wasn't very like it wasn't a good that's translation. Always, yeah, that's always that's always iffy. Like you can usually get a get a vibe, yeah. but it's hard to like quote somebody from those. But what I I think I could glean from it was that you know he is uh, you know someone who's an established physician um, who was looking for another outlet for like kind of the other part of his personality and interests mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, makes sense that he was going to start with a, a book that involved uh, medicine. And then now he's moving on to a book about books. So I think that kind of yeah. like makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole like every, I found a couple reviews of this and most of them mentioned the like tradition of Japanese books that focus on cats Mm-hmm. Going back to this book uh, from the early 20th century called I Am a Cat <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. uh, by Natsume Sosuke. Uh, Soseki, excuse me. Um, and it is an anthropomorphized domestic cat uh, who is like dealing with noblemen. Uh, how anthropomorphized? <laughs> um, how anthropomorphized are we talking? Are we talking? It's a narrator, a cat, like a cat-sized cat that can talk, or are we like into full-on fursona I bu- territory? Or this, what do you think? This brief synopsis I'm reading, I can't tell if he can talk to the characters or not, or if it's just mm-hmm. a narrator that is a cat. Okay, so it's not like we're not talking like bipedal, no, sort of Garfieldy, no, yeah, I don't think so. But have you ever stopped to think how little Garfield looks like a cat? <laughs> like looks like any kind of cat. Yeah, if you want, because he doesn't have fur, he's just kind of like a, he's just kind of made of orange skin. If you really want to, he's get got that weird yellow mustache. Weirded out. Ugh. Go back and look at old Garfield. Look at OG Garfield. He is mm-hmm. strange. OG, of course, stands for original Garfield. Yes. True. The cat's name in I Am a Cat is Mr. Sneeze. <laughs> Love a book that will give a cat, even a talking cat, like yeah. a really cat cat name. Yeah. Um, 30 years later, there's another book, A Cat, A Man, and Two Women. There's cats featuring in uh, the works of Murakami, uh, a number of books even in the last 10 or 15 years that also feature cats. Um and this one article from Smithsonian Mag that I found um, talking about uh, kind of the the role that cats play in Japanese culture and in Japanese mm-hmm. fiction mm-hmm. Um, shares this like journal entry from an emperor in the ninth century CE in Japan. Oh boy. I did not expect you to go this deep well, on this. I'm impressed. <laughs> this, is, this is just what came up as I'm trying to research mm-hmm. this book because there's only mm-hmm. so much. And I mm-hmm. think cats had been in Japan for a few hundred years prior to this, but we have this journal entry of an emperor describing their cat. Taking a moment of my free time, I wish to express my joy of the cat. It arrived by boat as a gift to the late emperor received from hands of uh, Minamoto no Kawashi. The color of the fur is peerless. None could find the words to describe it, although one said it was reminiscent of the deepest ink. It has an air about it. Uh, I affixed a bow about its neck, but it did not remain for long. In rebellion, it narrows its eyes and extends its needles. It shows its back. When it lies down, it curls in a circle like a coin. You cannot see its feet. It's as if it were a circular disc. When it stands, its cry expresses profound loneliness. 
like a black dragon floating above the clouds. <laughs> I am convinced it is superior to all other cats. I am just so glad that we can draw a direct line between him yeah. and the people who I was just reading <laughs> on Goodreads who write yeah. quote like quotes from their cats into their reviews as like part of their Goodreads shtick. Uh-huh. <laughs> just and people throughout history have said, what a pretty kitty. Yeah. Wow. What a pretty kitty. What a little kitty. What a look at his little feet. What a little kitty. And there's also the, <laughs> what is it, Monarchy Neko, uh, Monarchy Nico, who's the, the, the uh, sort of what Meowth is based on, the lucky cat mm-hmm. where, with the gold coin. And it's got. There's it's, that purple cat from Secret of Mana who sells you candy. Yeah. Nico, and they wave at you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a bunch of stories about why that cat is lucky, one of which involves a cat saving an emperor from a lightning strike. Um, but, you know, people love cats. It's part of culture. It's part of why this guy wrote this book, I think. That's all I got. Okay. And then I, yeah, I have a very brief. I feel like I judge all translators' notes by the Emily Wilson. Oh, unfair. Yeah, and it's totally. I find all of them wanting, yeah, sure. <laughs> but but yeah, I can I can read from this mere two page translator's <laughs> note if you want to. As yeah, well. I'd love to hear it. Luis <laughs> Kwai um, is from Manchester, uh, England, or United Kingdom. Uh, taught English in Japan, and then started doing some translation work uh, while she was back in the states, living in Fort Worth, Texas. And that's actually where she got into the translation gig, which she recognizes is bizarre because there was no Japanese literary community there and she was mm-hmm. just doing the work. Um, and she, I think she does live at, back in Japan now. I could be mistaken. Um, and she actually, the parts from this one interview I found with her that I thought was interesting is just she talks about how she has occasionally met some of the authors she works with, but mm-hmm. it's actually very rare to have a, work, a working relationship with them at all. They're, yeah, I assume there's usually some kind of a go-between, yeah. and I'm I'm not sure. I guess I'm never sure when we're reading translated stuff. Like sometimes, obviously, the author's not involved. Like Homer is not yeah. speaking with Emily Wilson <laughs> yes. unless it's as a god, like disguised <laughs> as a guy who <laughs> she just like meets and hangs out with. Um, but for living authors, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, does the does the original author get to give notes? Would they even be qualified to give notes? Like, surely they don't understand every language that their book is being translated into. So, yeah, you just kind of have to let it go, which yeah. I would find very difficult. Yeah, and and she she alludes to it maybe being also kind of a a thing unique not unique to but just particular to the japanese publishers that she's worked with as well um, Mm -hmm. of them working with english language translators or whatever it might be and also yes working with authors who are deceased and she can't ask them any questions um and then she also just wanted when both of the interviews i read with her were like what do you wish people knew more about with regards to translation and one thing she said was that it's not super lucrative like literary translation is not a lucrative field most of us have other jobs or we do a bunch of commercial translating, which is very lucrative because mm-hmm. anytime that a corporation pays artists, it's way more than what artists would get paid to do their own thing. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the, the journalism to yeah. PR pipeline yep. at some point. I watched a whole movie about corporate com- like commercial musicals like a week or two ago. Excuse me? Don't. It's about... Um, 
Yeah, it's about like you'd go to a trade show and they do like a whole musical about how good the products are for all the salespeople. <laughs> I have I have sat through some of these. Mostly, mostly Samsung puts these on sure. in my experience. <laughs> and the other thing she said is that she just kind of wished translators were more involved in the promotion process, like the promotional mm-hmm. aspect, especially when it's, you know a country where the author themselves, the original author might not be part of that process at all. Mm-hmm. So like as someone who's putting in that work and, and gets the satisfaction of seeing the book on the shelf and having someone respond to it, like it'd be kind of neat if she were involved in that a little bit more than she is. I also, I saw Emily Wilson uh, tweeting about actually like some translations that she did recently that don't have the translator names on the cover of the book. Ugh. And it's like of like classical works where it's like, well, we know it's, Oh, you know. Okay, that's that's that feels even worse. To I me. think it was part of a collection, but she was still just like, which I'm not to excuse it, but that's probably where the practice came from. Where she was just like, no, we should have our names on that anyway. Um, well, because in the case of those books, like th- those, the translators are like literally keeping those works alive. Well, that's why I might read a new one. And it's and they even though they are quote just translating the words. As we know from Emily Wilson's detailed translators note, yep. they also impart a like they make a lot of decisions and they impart their own their own like personalities and biases into the thing. So yeah, put me on the the team team translator. Translator's we are name team goes on the translator cover. over here. Yeah, we love translators. Uh, so read me some anything from this note that you want to share before we take our break. Most of the stuff was just about. Um, things in Japanese that don't quite translate into English. So there's this uh, concept that actually goes untran like intentionally untranslated. Uh, the Haikikomori. Uh, yeah, I saw this. Mm-hmm. Which is a uh, Japanese term that refers to a, a man. I think it's... Usually men. Yeah. Usually a man who decides, I'm just going to keep to myself. And I'm not going to like go out to go to school. I'm not going to go out to go to work. I'm just going to stay home and do what I do at home. Yep. Hermits. And she says yeah. that in 2019, the Japanese government estimated their number at over 1 million. Um, it, it, that word is in the Oxford English dictionary as of 2010. And so instead of trying to communicate the complexities of, of the word, she just left it yeah. as it was. Uh, and then the other interesting note, um, some stuff about architecture. Where's my thing? Okay. Uh, impossible to retain, however, is the absence of pronouns in the Japanese language. English requires them for writing and speech to sound natural. Japanese words for he or she exist, but they are rarely used and never in this novel. Uh, we know because it is stated in the text that Rintaro is a boy and Sayo is a girl. The cat poses more of a challenge, never referred to once as he, she, or it, but simply the cat or the tabby. This character's gender is indeterminate. Huh. Uh, in truth, the clues are there in its language. There tend to be different masculine and feminine feminine styles of speech in Japanese. And in the original language, the cat sounds more like a man than a woman. I could have made the decision to use the male pronoun and turn the tabby cat into a male talking cat. But I admit to exercising a touch of translator's prerogative. I felt that there was no necessity to add another male character. And that as the original author had not specified a gender, it was reasonable to use a neutral pronoun. Readers will have to make up their own minds. Which I think is just kind of neat. Yeah, I do think that's neat. I I like knowing both that there is probably in the author's mind a canonical gender for the the cat, but also the decision to not like force that on it on yeah. the part of the translator. So yeah, or at least that the personality of the cat evokes like particular gendered energy. 
mm-hmm. which would which would come through to a Japanese reader, mm-hmm. regardless of the cat itself. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I did. I wanted to put a pin in the Harper Collins website just because uh, there was a day of uh, strike action by a bunch of folks uh, on staff at Harper Collins. You can read about it in the news. Um, people working there want better conditions. Uh, so go figure solidarity with those folks. I didn't want to just yes. cite the Harper Collins website. No, and ho- hopefully, hopefully by the time that this goes up in a few weeks, this will have been resolved in the favor of the workers. I think it was a one day action, but I hope that yeah. they get what they want. Um, mm-hmm. They deserve it. Great. Okay. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and you can tell me about this cat. I don't know if it's cool cat. We'll find out. All right, let's take a break. Write meow. <laughs> Hiss. <laughs> Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. You think cats would benefit from therapy or would they think that they were too good for it? <laughs> do you <laughs> think? thought about this. Do you think that cats take care of their minds? I mean, they seem pretty at ease. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> like just generally speaking. <laughs> Interesting. How could mm-hmm. you, what are ways that you could declutter your mind, Andrew, or put, to get to become more like a cool cat? I mean, I could just develop an interest in laser pointers uh-huh. and a, a interest in being asleep more than I am awake, which is the opposite of how I currently play it. That doesn't work for most of us. I do think yeah. the interest in laser pointers might pan out, but it's going to take a lot of time. Um, it is important to invest time in yourself, and there are ways to do it, like learning about laser pointers or you know, learning to sleep like a cat, but... You know, like taking power naps. <laughs> Why don't you talk about the sponsor? Well, yeah, I'm just saying there's lots of things this, that you this can week's do. This week's episode of Overdue is brought to you by LaserPoint. <laughs> you could also try BetterHelp Online Therapy. Um, <laughs> you know, I think therapy is a very important tool for uh, dealing with my with what might be bothering you on a daily basis, what might be kind of running in the background in your mind that can wear on you and stress you out. Uh, and if you're able to talk through some of that stuff with a professional, you might feel more at ease like a cool cat yourself um, and better able to show up for you know work or your relationships or whatever um, you might want to show up for. So I think folks should try therapy um, because we can't all be cats. That's that's my thought. Much as we might want to. Yeah. Uh, BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash overdue. That's BetterHelp.com slash overdue. with my mouth make the noise that cats scratching things make but mm-hmm. if, if i was searching for another cat noise to make and that's the one i wanted to make can we like try to foley it like i'll just take this this microsoft surface laptop sure. go to and just like <laughs> that sounds like a cat wanting to get into the room <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay that's that flies um mm-hmm. so this book i understand is about a cat and a boy and books pick whichever one you want to talk about first i in that the order that it should be in is books and then a boy and then a cat huh so we've (laughs) (laughs) 
Let's talk about our main character. Uh, his name's Rintaro Natsuki. He's the Hikikomori character in the book. Okay. Uh, he, he lives with his grandfather because I, I believe his mother died when he was youngish and his dad is just like not in the picture. Okay. Okay. Good job. Good job, dad beep dad. Ooh. Uh, so he's been living with his grandfather. His grandfather is a used to be a professor. We don't learn a ton about his grandfather, but he like used to be a professor. And at some point he retired and opened this shabby secondhand bookstore called Natsuki books. Okay. Um, so uh, the grandfather has died at the start of this book and Rintaro is like sad, but in a like, a very numb kind of mm. kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's already sort of predisposed. Wow. He's like, pre- he's predisposed. He's predisposed. Yes. Jeez, <laughs> Jesus, please. He's predisposed to being a loner and, and withdrawing into himself anyway. Sure. And this is just making him want to do that more. He has got an aunt who he does like, but you know, an aunt who he doesn't really know very well, who has swooped in to kind of help, arrange things and, and, you know, have him move in with her. Cause he's still the high school age. He's like a junior in high school. Okay. Okay. Um, and yeah, so that, that is what is happening. And he's just like, he always was hanging out in the bookstore with his grandfather because his grandfather spent all his time there and he had all these little traditions like making tea and dusting the shelves every day and all this stuff that, that, uh, Rintaro just finds comforting. And mm. so he keeps kind of doing them. um, and Rintaro's hanging out in this bookstore and one day he hears a voice and he looks around and he's like, where's this voice coming from? Oh, it seems to be coming from this orange cat named Tiger. Okay. Tiger the cat. Tiger the cat. Wait, who's running and the bookstore? Nobody really kind of Rintaro, but. Okay, that's fine. Okay. It's, it's It doesn't get a ton of foot traffic is the thing. And so people like a couple of people pop in to sort of check on him and a, like a recurring theme is that he thinks he's this, you know, he's this friendless loner guy and nobody really misses mm. him at school. But it turns out that like multiple people kind of miss his absence at school. Sure. Uh, we, we can talk about that more yeah. as it as the story goes. But um, yeah, it's not a not a ton of people in there, but the people who do go in there just tend to really love books like there's this this book loves to to say, oh, the world is this way. And this is why, you know, Rintaro being different or this bookstore being different is good. Oh, because the world is, yeah, the world is about this, but really we should be this way. We should be pursuing this other thing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Some books are like this and that's okay. It's, yeah, no, I'm not, it's not, not a criticism of the book. It's just the kind of book it is. If I had to get like this, this feels like a, I don't know what the equivalent in, in Japanese is, but it feels very sort of like a middle grade chapter booky to mm-hmm. me, just in, in sort of the structure and the simplicity of the of the story arc and the language and just how short it is. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, like it, it, some parts of it do feel like underdeveloped, but I think in a way that a lot of sort of middle grade fiction it's just meant to feels yeah, it's not meant to be yeah. deeper. And that's fine. Yes, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rintaro's hanging out. He This cat comes in. He's like, hey, Mr. Proprietor, I need help freeing some books from prison. 
Well, this sounds like a quest. This so- this doesn't sound like a nor. Look, I'm already talking to a cat. Yeah, and the cat is saying things. He's not just talking about the weather. Mm-hmm. He's saying things that sound a little outlandish. A little outlandish, and uh, yeah, this is a little like fantasy, fantasy fictiony, okay. fairy tale-y, and you just kind of accept what is what's happening, even though it's not explained very very deeply. Um, but yeah, I I do like this. I bring up the simplicity of the narrative arc because there is no refusal of the call. Yes, here. Like, I love I, it, and I think that's a that's a benefit of having kind of a surly loner teen as your main character because a talking cat shows up and is like, Hey, you got to help me free these books. And the teen is just like, okay, whatever, man. Okay. I guess I'm not doing anything else. Sure. Yeah. Well, what I can, I can see, I hope, and you can tell me how it happens. If it happens that this is, you know, the adventure is going to kind of, tease Rintaro back out into the world a little bit, make him feel a little more connected to the world hmm, around hmm. him. Maybe. You might hmm, it, you might almost say that even though the point is to free the books, maybe the real point is to free Rintaro from, yeah. <laughs> from his social prison. Yes! <laughs> it might be that you've already sussed out what the point of the book <laughs> is at this very early point in our conversation. But I think, on, but like, I, this is, I don't feel like I'm spoiling the book. I feel no, like... No, and it's, you're like, you're not spoiling it, and I'm not making no, fun of it. It just is, it is what it I is. Think, and I, I think I'm there's reveling power it is in, what I'm doing. I think there's power similar to the power of going into a romance novel expecting... You know, you might look up whether or not it has a happy ending, right? Like people are, you know, uh, happily ever after is what they say. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are people who like want to know if that's the way the book goes or not before they go in. And I think that there it sounds like there is power that this book has by being like, yeah, you can kind of tell what's going to happen here. And like (laughs) in the same way that when a cat like gets up, you know, a good pet gets up next to you and wants to hang out. You're like, I can tell what's going to happen here. Anga, be relaxed. Like that Mm -hmm. is the goal here. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Until the cat like sees a bug and like wigs out. But Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay. So the, so the structure of the book. All right. So the cat is like, Hey, come with me. Um, this might be dangerous and you might be trapped here forever, but also, you know, you'll probably be fine. Come with me. Come save these books. Okay. And Rintaro's like, okay, I guess. What else is he going <laughs> to so do? They, they walk down. It, the, the bookstore, I mean, imagine any sort of cluttered used bookstore that you've been in where the shelves go from floor to ceiling and two people cannot pass each other in the you know, in the, in the stacks because yep. just the, everything is so narrow and cramped in. So they start walking back into Natsuki books and then like suddenly it changes and the, the corridor just goes on forever. And there are these like mystical looking lights emitting this glow everywhere. And it's just, it's clear that we have sort of portal fantasy to ourselves. We are, we are walking to somewhere that is not, like a physical, necessarily a physical state of being. Ooh. Um, and uh, Tiger leads Rintaro to this guy who is in this huge, just this like huge, almost library sort of full of books. He's got all these uh, very rare and very notable books. A lot of, most of the author names and, and like book names that are shared in this story, despite it's like Japanese um, 
authorship What's the word I want. Yeah. Authorship is it's, it's mostly like white male Western canon stuff, which is, which is fine, I guess. Um, but he's got all of these books and they're all like perfectly encased in, you know, in like glass cases with locks on them. And this guy, is, and, and so these books are in prison, Craig, what does that they're mean? Imprisoned. It means that they aren't like, they aren't just like generally available for people to enjoy them. I mean, so this guy is, takes great pride in being able to read a bunch of books and he just is like speed reading all the time because the more books you read, the more knowledge you have. But he's and not that's sharing the knowledge. To have more knowledge. But he's not like sharing the knowledge. And also when Rintaro's like, do you ever reread anything? And oh, no. he's like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Oh. If I've read something once, why would I need to read it again? Oh, no. Okay. Can and I real quick? I do like, I do feel I. Can I tell you, yep. I do feel this way about most movies. Oh, interesting. I do not, I do not rewatch movies. Interesting. Because, like, I saw her be a pretty woman the one Stop. time, and I don't know that I really need to do it I again. saw that bus go 55 miles an hour for two hours. Uh-huh. I don't need to uh-huh. see So that's an interesting thing. I, my response... I don't need to see it do, do it again unless it's doing it again in a slightly remixed context, oh. like in... A sequel film. Interesting. <laughs> but I don't need to watch the original. Again. <laughs> uh, I have not. There are movies that I like to rewatch on cable. Like they're just on. I'm like oh, I have a few. I have a few. I have a few movies yeah. I like. I like to rewatch. Oh. We are. I believe that some of our friends are going to be in town in early September to go to a 40th anniversary theater screening of The Wrath of Khan yeah. with me. Uh-huh. So. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a movie you like to rewatch. Yes. Yes. It's um, a good movie. It's a good flick. But I I was responding to that little clip that you described there the clip that you brought to the show um (laughs) and was thinking about how i've never reread a book that i've read for this podcast and i feel i honestly i feel bad about that only because there's something i would like to it's just like how do i make that into content i don't know if i can't if i can't make it into content then it's harder to justify doing and i the the part that bums me out about that is because i know that like a lot of our listeners when we read a book of their like a book that they really care about, part of their experience is that they've read it more than once and that they have like yeah. mm-hmm. feelings about it, and that's just like not an experience I'm gonna have access to. It's just not mm-hmm. gonna happen because I gotta read another book next week. Yes. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to be like this man in this book, Andrew, because it sounds like he's yeah. setting up to be a bad guy. It's well, okay, so these the structure of this book is that Rintaro is brought into three labyrinths oh. to confront these boss monsters ah, okay. who all have a who all seem to be doing like bad things to books but it's all based in a love of books and that's so the book is about books this sounds um, very so, little princey to me so let's yeah so little the little prince is referenced okay. in the book a couple of times but uh so we're, we're with this first guy, right. Who, who reads his books one time and he reads them as fast as he can. And then he locks them up in a little cage and he doesn't let them get out. Cause he wants them to be pristine. He just wants to look at them. And like, like I get wanting a physical media yeah. collection just today. I was thinking, what if every book I read since 2013 was on a shelf instead of on a Kindle, I would look so much smarter but then <laughs> to we, people who came over to my house. but then also like books physical books can be a prison when you have to like move or when live you have to yeah move, yeah um okay continue. so yeah rintaro usually during these encounters rintaro thinks back to 
a conversation he had with this totally radical, awesome grandpa who always had Heck something yeah. cool to say about any situation. Yes. Um, his grandpa's quoted really early in the book, his like his mantra books have tremendous power <laughs> is his mantra. That's his, mantra. <laughs> That's his whole mantra. And I mean, in this, in this, it, they are like literally powerful in this, in this book. So I guess it's a good mantra. Sure. But so he's, he thinks back to this conversation that he had with his grandpa. And I mean, he, <laughs> Rintaro does think to himself at a couple times, man, I can't even believe I remember having this conversation with my grandpa. Cause sometimes they do feel a little convenient and on the nose. That's funny. <laughs> but grandpa says, it's not true that the more you read, the more you see of the world, no matter how much knowledge you cram into your head, unless you think with your own mind, walk with your own feet, the knowledge you acquire will never be anything more than empty and borrowed. Whoa. Books can't live your life for you. The reader who forgets to walk on his own two feet is like an old encyclopedia, his head stuffed with out-of-date information. Unless someone else opens it up, it's nothing but a useless antique. And so Rintaro kind of goes in to all of these little worlds with these, these like otherworldly worlds with these guys who are doing stuff to books. And he's like, hey, debate me. And... <laughs> And so he talks this guy, you know, he, he first he sort of worms his way in with this logic about, well, just like the, the way that you are reading books, I don't think is objectively right. But then he has a moment where he's like, I realized the real truth of the situation, which is that nobody would act like this. Nobody would try to read all these books and then try to keep them pristine if they didn't love these books. Mm. And because you love books and I love books. I can talk you into freeing them. Yeah. And letting them back out in the world. Okay. That's cool. And so that's what, that's what saving books is about. And with what the cat, I guess like passively enables. (laughs) 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 So the cat didn't save any of those books. The cat didn't save the books except insofar as he he saw something in Rintaro and then decided to stick with him. And no, let me cut you off of the past. This is not a detective Pikachu situation where the cat is actually his grandfather. The cat is just a cat who talks. That could have been pretty cool. It could have been cool, but it's not how it is. Me watching a trailer for this book. The the cat is his dad. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So we do this, we do this first labyrinth. And then before the second labyrinth happens, this, it's it's the like the class president of the school that he is in and is not going to because he's bereaving yeah. his grandfather and he's like I'm only going to be here for like another two weeks anyway so I'm not going to go to school anymore. Uh, his friend Sayo Yuzuki is bringing him his homework, and she is kind of talking to him about books and he's he. He's Rintaro is this sort of reclusive, like indecisive guy. But then once you get him talking about books, like, you know, what book would you recommend? What do you like about this book or this book? He really comes out of a shell a little bit. And so she, and she sees this in him and she is, she is one of the people who along with this other like jock guy who is not like, who doesn't factor into the story a lot, but is another person who Rintaro does not know, give him the time of day, but, actually like holds him in pretty high esteem because of his knowledge and expertise. I like that. Yeah. Um, there, so Sayo's there to give him his homework and the cat shows up 
and the cat before, you know, before she comes in, he's like, the cat says, Hey, Brentaro, don't worry. Like nobody's gonna, nobody can hear me or understand me. Just kind of act like I'm not here and everything's going to be fine. And then Sayo's in there and the cat talks and she's like, Whoa, did that cat just talk? Oh no. (laughs) And now she's in it. She's up in it. (laughs) Now she's down in it. And Tiger says, okay, Rintar, we got to go save another person. And Sayo's like, okay, I'm going to come too. Well, they, they're not trying to save the person. They're trying to save the books, but they have to do it through talking to a person. So they go into the second labyrinth. The second labyrinth is this guy who is like literally cutting up books with scissors mm. because he's, you know what? And this is a problem that we've run into doing a book podcast is, you know what? There's just too many books out there. Has this ever happened to oh, you? No. There's too many books. What we need to do is we need to develop a new speed reading technique and we need to snip them, snip, snip, snip them up until they're just down to their very essence. So this guy, I, I he, <laughs> I guess his name is just Cliff because he's making all these Cliff notes it. for all these, <laughs> no. for all these books. And, he is listening to Beethoven's Ninth Symphony really loud because it helps him work. Like these are those, that's his chill beats to study to. And then Rintaro to, to get in, to worm his way in so that the guy will listen to him. He goes over to his old 90s style boombox, and you know how you can like half press in the fast forward yeah. and you get some kind of an Alvin and the Chipmunks talk boy tape recorder, like sped up uh-huh. version of what's on the tape. So he does that. And the guy's like, why would you do that? You're ruining my music. And Rintaro's like, why would you do that? You're ruining my books. <laughs> Just like you want to listen to music at 1x speed to oh get the full God. effect of it. Some people want to read books at 1x speed yeah. to get all the stuff that wouldn't necessarily make a high-level plot synopsis. But, again, Rintaro's like, man, you must really love books because I can see that you doing this is rooted in a desire to help more people experience in this topsy-turvy, yeah. fast-paced world experience books. And the guy's like, yeah, you got me. And then all the book, all the like shredded-up books like fly back together in their books again. Do you so I- we save more books. Okay. So far, I've identified with both of these guys. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> And Sayo is there, like, helping. She kind of falls under the sky's spell a little bit. Like, in all these worlds, there are these sort of gray-faced people walking around in trances, like, believing whatever thing it is that the the boss of of each level (laughs) is saying. And she is drawn in because, like, yeah, people do. People do need to read books fast. And it is a topsy-turvy, fast-paced world, man. And... Rintaro kind of like grabs her and like breaks the spell. Sure. And so that it's bringing them closer together. It's lightly implied that there's like a romantic thing between them by the end, but it's not it. It, it feels very middle grady where it's like they're at the, I like you do you like me check one at the end phase of the book of relationship. Yeah, yeah. Like at the end mm-hmm. of the book. I like that. No, I like that. Cause it's like, yeah, it doesn't, it sounds like them getting to know each other happens because of the adventure it is mm-hmm. not a like, and now the adventure is me saving you or us. Well, fighting. it does get around to doing that. Okay, well, end. but but there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of connecting that happens. Sure. Okay. That. Okay. There's one more level. Uh, there's one more labyrinth. So we go into the last labyrinth, and it's the 
headquarters of the biggest book company in the whole entire world. Whoa. <laughs> um, the name of the, the name of the thing is just so over the, <laughs> over the top. Um, it is world's best books is the name of the book, the book company. Uh huh. And so Rintaro and Sayo go up like they, they go into this big corporate building and they like somebody's guiding them through the building and they get handed off to like four different people who each tell them that something else is not permitted past this point. And the last one before they get in a big elevator that takes them up to the boss's lair. is like, hey, you can't bring cats in here. Mm. No pets. And so they have to leave Tiger behind. Oh boy. So it's just them. And they go all the way up. And there's this old CEO guy who's sitting at his desk and uh, Rintara looks around at one point and realizes that he's in a building really high up and all the walls are windows and he can see all these other buildings. And from all of them are just like these piles and piles of books just being ejected out onto the street, oh just like dump pouring out of these buildings. Jeez. Um, and the CEO of world's best books is like his, his thing is sell books that sell. Oh no. He says, so this guy is like, yeah, listen, people aren't reading the classics anymore, but people love garbage, short (laughs) books that cater to that. It's books don't exist to, to teach you things or to challenge you. Books exist to serve what you want and what you're already looking okay, for. Okay, so great. Bo- books are here to tell you what you are you want to hear. Okay. Uh, here at the world's number one publishing company, we don't publish books to inform or teach people. We print the books that society wants. We don't care about issues such as messages that need to be imparted or philosophy that needs to be handed down to the next generation. We don't care about any harsh reality or difficult truths. Society isn't interested in things like that. Publishers don't need to worry about what they should be telling the world. They need to understand what the world wants to hear. Okay, so I don't identify with Jeffrey Bezos here. (laughs) (laughs) But again, Rintaro is like, hey, you wouldn't want all these, you wouldn't want people to read so many books if you didn't love books. Oh, dang. And that's that's the thing. That's the thing again. Got him again. Um, so yeah, all three labyrinths are done. He beat the boss monsters. He's Wait, gonna but go how, back did to he his really life, beat but... the boss monster on the third one? Yeah, he beat him. Okay. Well, it's it's more like it's more like he looks back as he's getting in the elevator to go home, and the boss monster gives him like a little smile at the end, and he's like, "Well, I, I have I got pretty good vibes off that one, <laughs> that, off that encounter." Okay. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> what happens? <laughs> To, how does his relationship with Tiger come to a close? Well, so Tiger is like, well, this is the third and last labyrinth, and you're just not going to see me again after this. Oh, but then Tiger shows back up again. And is like, hey, there's another labyrinth. Your kids, actually. Marty. I. It's your. <laughs> your kids are burning somebody. The book. Somebody. Somebody took you. I've brought you through these labyrinths to save books before but for this one it's your friend Sayo and she's she's been captured oh no by somebody and the boss of this one is like a personified 2000 year old book that is never named wait but there's this um, whole there's this whole thing it's about 2000 years old yeah it's 2000 years old i know i know the book that i thought that it was uh. but um 
and it gets it gets really it gets kind of metaphysical and weird in this <laughs> just as a person's so okay books have souls craig that's that's true right we can accept that as yeah true. books have souls i can accept that and the souls are imparted by people reading the books and enjoying the books books that aren't read and enjoyed they don't have souls but ones that are read and enjoyed they do have souls books have souls okay what aren't you understanding about this <laughs> i have i have no notes Jeez. Okay. Books have souls, but yeah. quote from Tiger, just as a person's soul can be warped by suffering, so can oh, the soul of a book. No. A book that has been in the hands of a person with a twisted soul will also acquire a twisted soul and together they run amok. Whoa. And so, you know, you can bring what unnamed 2000 year old book you'd think that this is like the, only what you take with you is in this and then this labyrinth. <laughs> Ah, uh, you look in the mirror in this one, maybe, and it's you, and it's you looking at. It. But <laughs> whoa! Uh, so he goes and he meets this like old lady who is kind of upset that people like are misinterpreting her and aren't really paying that much attention to her anymore. And again, the problem is the world being all fast paced and topsy turvy and bad. Um, and Rintaro ends up having this like it looks like she's going to walk away and he's going to be trapped here forever. And Sai is going to be trapped here forever and he's going to lose. Uh, but then he has some epiphany and he's talking about, so the thing that, the thing that determines whether you can talk to the cat or not is whether you have empathy for other people. That's a short version. Um, okay. Like if you, if you can, and that's what, that's what books are about. Oh, sure. Is, Is the book. That's true. Uh, book Rintaro says to this personified book lady, books are filled with human thoughts and feelings, people suffering, people who are sad or happy, laughing with joy by reading their words and their stories, by experiencing them together. We learn about the hearts and minds of other people besides ourselves. Thanks to books. It's possible to learn not only about the people around us every day, but the people living in totally different worlds. Uh, don't hurt anyone. Never bully people weaker than yourself. Help out those in need. Some would say that these rules are obvious, but the truth is the obvious is no longer obvious in today's world. Mm. What's worse is that some people even ask why they don't understand why they shouldn't hurt other people. It's not a simple thing to explain. It's not logical, but if they read books, they will understand. It's far more important than using logic to explain something. Human beings don't live alone and a book is a way to show them that. And listen, I could name some books that don't do that. Yeah. But <laughs> including a lot of stuff that ends up on like the New York Times nonfiction best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do. But, I, it, but it's just like this book is a nice, short, clean, simple book about the power of books. It's a book about loving books. I do. And th- there's a happy ending at the end. And that's all that you kind of need to know. And and listen, Rintar is not going to see Tiger ever again. Yeah. Or, wi- or will he? Yeah. Okay. And in talking to all these people, he also comes out of his shell and realizes that he needs to go out and interact with the world. And his grandpa was a cool rad dude and he should be more like his grandpa. And then he goes up to his aunt and he's like, I'm going to stay here and run the Netsuki books and keep the dream alive. And his aunt's like, okay, as long as you call me, like she's pretty chill. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds The aunt's good. Okay. It's definitely not like a rolled doll. No, aunt no, no, who no, no, no. wishes that you like actively wishes that you were dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a, she's a kindly aunt. So I have a who few... calls him Rin Chan, oh. which he doesn't like, well, well. but that's the worst thing yeah. about her. A few few questions and thoughts. 
Okay. One. I'd love to hear them. Mm-hmm. I, I do. Again, I cannot shake the, the little princeness of this. This feels very mm-hmm. little princey. Um, mm-hmm. The... When we've read some of these books that have this kind of like magical power of books energy to them, I'm thinking of The Shadow of the Wind, that book that think, you read for the show. Mr. Penumbra's Mr. Penumbra. bookstore yep. dabbled in this too. And yeah. I feel like they don't spend a lot of time on nonfiction. They typically are about like the power of stories. And I, I don't uh-huh. I don't have a, a broader like point other than to make that observation i think when it's just the, the the books are never like books have incredible power and they're an unalloyed good but also don't like not bill o'reilly ones. yeah we we typically like when, when i've ever read books that that kind of make this argument and i do believe in this argument it is usually oh, yeah, certainly that's why we do this stupid podcast yeah, for 10 years yeah it is usually uh a romanticized hope for the possibility of imagination and and what that and creativity and and what that can do for you and often uh that just kind of prescribes a box that does not necessarily include nonfiction, even though there's room for a lot of that in nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly in these stories is always like the you know the power of make believe and you know well and some of the some of the some of the nonfiction that we're talking about we are talking really about the bad nonfiction <laughs> like, yeah yeah <laughs> there's good nonfiction though we've talked about some of it anyway but I, I, there might be a lot of fiction in some of this nonfiction is all I'm saying okay fair ah uh, mm-hmm. I see aha mm, uh-huh. mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. can we just can I go back uh, you wanted to cash w- yes. in the uh, the Donkey Shrek chip. Can you, Donkey and Shrek. I, maybe this will be like I feel like I didn't get enough tiger in our summary. It's well, yeah, and that's kind of how the book is. Is that so? Donkey and Shrek, right? Shrek is like Donkey is kind of the call a little bit. Yeah, Shrek. In that he's very donkey, social yeah. and he's trying to push. He's trying to push Shrek along. And he's trying to tell him that ogres can be like parfaits and sell like onions. And Shrek doesn't want to hear it. He's an ogre. He wants to go back to his nasty swamp yeah. and swim around in the mud like a dirty, nasty boy. <laughs> and that's all that he wants to do. <laughs> and that like push and pull. And then the moment at the end where they really, it, it makes the moment at the end where they realize that they really are truly friends yep. more meaningful. Yeah. And the cat is kind of like direct and a little rude mm. to Rintaro, but it's never in a Rintaro is never like, I am not going to go where a talking cat tells me. Thank you very much. Like it's, there is, it's less adversarial. And so at the end when they are giving each other meaningful bows and nods and stuff, it's like, well, they never really seem like they <laughs> didn't get along in the first place. Okay. So it's it's cleaner and le- I, I think for that reason, it's less like narratively satisfying sure. than Donkey Shrek. Sure. Okay. So that's that's where that's why I wanted to talk about Donkey and Shrek. Thank that you. That makes sense to me. Um, we could talk about the actual cat character who's in Shrek too, but I'm not. Oh, Puss in Boots. Want to. Yeah, I don't want to. Okay, that's fine. Um, these I have some. Some three star Goodreads reviews. Three here. star Goodreads review. Um, and one of them from from Linda <laughs> talked about Rintaro and the Hikikimori stuff, um, and just like noted that as an interesting element of the book. Um, so if you, when after I read this other one, if you want to talk about that at all anymore, let me know. But uh, Crystal's bullet points here were. Cat is kind of a jerk, like whisks the kid away and says good luck. Um, mm-hmm. 
but found the love of books to be pretty great and then thought that it might not, as Conway said earlier, might not be deep enough for some folks, but it is a warm and fuzzy read. Um, And then echoed some things I found in a bunch of other reviews that said that they found that maybe the translation, they weren't sure if it was the translation or if it was the writing in general, found it a little preachy and or flat. Did you feel that way or no? I think you could hear a little bit of that in the longer passages yeah, that I've read. Sure. It's it's About not that it's the power of stories and whatnot. Yeah, it's I, I don't know. I don't wanna blame it necessarily on the on the translation and I don't even know if blame I think blame has a more negative connotation yeah. than I think really it deserves to have. But you can tell it's a translated work a lot of the time. Like it it has the well, it is. It has yeah. the feeling of a of a like dub to me sometimes. Okay, sure. you know what I mean. Okay, yeah. I mean, where they're it, getting it, the where yeah. they're getting the point across, but I bet somebody reading the original language would be like, "Why did you make these decisions that you made?" Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Mm-hmm. Well, and that might go back to what we were saying earlier about like the lack of sometimes back and forth between the translator and the original author, and the the fact that this book even has some things that are like well we don't need to translate that because it's so specific to this culture Mm -hmm. that to translate it would be to render it indecipherable (laughs) i i have no i have no objections at all to any any of that i'm just saying that if you read this and trip on some of the language because it doesn't flow as naturally how the language works yeah that's yeah that's that's just the translation sure sure um Anything? And I get, you know, the, the based on the decision to leave a few things in Japanese and to, you know, purposely not interact with the gender bit of it in a couple of cases, like, I feel like the translator is probably going to come down more on the side of, like, a literal translation is a good translation. Yeah. And so maybe she would have hesitated to make the kind of like stylistic calls that you would maybe need to make to, to make the book flow sure more naturally in English. You know what I mean? Maybe. Yeah. And, the, and yeah. it might also be a th- just guessing. Yeah, yeah. Cause I'm trying to reconcile that with some of her quotes. And I think maybe it might also go back to what you were saying about the kind of the, perhaps the intended reading level of the book or the intended mm-hmm. complexity of the book mm-hmm. where she is res- maybe resisting the urge to add additional meaning that purposely isn't there. You know, yeah. or, or things like that. So we, we yeah. can we can never know as as mm-hmm. folks who are not able to read it in the original Japanese. So, um, yeah. Anything else you want to say about these characters or about these no. books? I don't think so. It's 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 a simple oh. breezy thing about how books are good, and also there's a talking cat. And I think that you either know that that kind of book is up your alley or you know that it isn't <laughs> last thing you made some jokes about like bosses and stuff and i i just kind of rolled with them the kirkus review said lovers of traditional reader literature and books themselves will find validation in the lessons Ventaro learns and teaches while the story's structure and fanciful nature may hold appeal for a young adult audience more familiar with the conventions of gaming does the book feel like it's aware of the conventions of gaming or it is- does it feel i mean just in the three labyrinth like boss monster construction it does but it also but is it using any language that makes it feel like it's gaming derived or is that no it's it's never it's never referring to anybody as like a boss monster or or referring to anything as like levels it's 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 more like laying it out and then you have to go do it yeah it's no it's it's (laughs) yeah no it's it's yeah okay 
cool. I don't have anything to, I don't have anything to add. Sure. It does. It does feel a little bit like a Undertale pacifist run version of <laughs> yeah. of gaming, where you just kind of have to like talk to the boss until you relate to it, and then you become best friends. Hey, man, games can be so, games can be art. Yeah, and so can books. Mm-hmm. In conclusion, this is the Citizen Kane of books. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for telling me about this cat book, Andrew. You're welcome. Um, if folks want to email us about their favorite cat books, they can do so at overduepod at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter about it. Thanks to Amy, Clara, Caroline, Laney, Sean, Robert, Sophie, Kirk, Alice, and more for reaching out to us on social media. We do appreciate it. Thanks to Nick Larandis, who composed our theme music. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where do they go? Overduepodcast.com is our internet website. Up there we have links to the books that we have read and the ones that we are going to read. If you click those, it takes you to bookshop.org. You click the buy button, you get a book, we get a cut of the money, and your local independent bookseller also gets a sale, so everybody wins. Yeah. Um, we have a Patreon project, patreon.com slash overduepod. You can support us directly. You can join our Discord server and have fun conversations about how the later Dune books are too much about worm genitalia. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and again, again, you know whether that appeals to you or not. That's true. I think just by hearing. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Craig, what are you reading for next week? Next week, I'm reading Wittgenstein's Mistress by David Markson. It's Mm. a book. Mm-hmm. It's experimenting with what books can do. Awesome. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast once again. And until we talk to you next week, please try to be happy. You cute little kitties. That was a HeadGum Podcast.